Crown. The greatest and perhaps the wealthiest. I am aware, Mr. Holmes, that you take a very high line in professional matters and that you are prepared to work for the work's sake. I may tell you, however, that His Grace has already intimated that a cheque for £5,000 will be handed over to the person who can tell him where his son is and another thousand to him who can name the man or men who have taken him. It is a princely offer, said Holmes. Watson, I think that we shall accompany Dr. Huxtable back to the north of England. And now, Dr. Huxtable, when you have consumed that milk, you will kindly tell me what has happened, when it happened, how it happened, and finally what Dr. Thornycroft Huxtable of the Priory School near Mackleton has to do with the matter, and why he comes three days after an event, the state of your chin gives the date, to ask for my humble services. Our visitor had consumed his milk and biscuits. The light had come back to his eyes and the colour to his cheeks, as he set himself with great vigour and lucidity to explain the situation. "'I must inform you, gentlemen, that the Priory is a preparatory school of which I am the founder and principal. Huxtable's sidelights on Horace you may possibly recall my name to your memories. The Priory is, without exception, the best and most select preparatory school in England.' Lord Leverstoke, the Earl of Blackwater, Sir Cathcart Soames, they all have entrusted their sons to me. But I felt that my school had reached its zenith when, three weeks ago, the Duke of Holderness sent Mr. James Wilder, his secretary, with the intimation that young Lord Saltire, ten years old, his only son and heir, was about to be committed to my charge. Little did I think that this would be the prelude to the most crushing misfortune of my life. "'On May the 1st the boy arrived, that being the beginning of the summer term. "'He was a charming youth, and he soon fell into our ways. "'I may tell you, I, I trust that I am not indiscreet, "'but half-confidences are absurd in such a case, "'that he was not entirely happy at home. "'It is an open secret that the Duke's married life had not been a peaceful one, "'and the matter had ended in a separation by mutual consent, "'the Duchess taking up her residence in the south of France.' This had occurred very shortly before, and the boy's sympathies are known to have been strongly with his mother. He moped after her departure from Holderness Hall, and it was for this reason that the Duke desired to send him to my establishment. In a fortnight the boy was quite at home with us and was apparently absolutely happy. He was last seen on the night of May the 13th, that is, the night of last Monday. His room was on the second floor and was approached through another larger room in which two boys were sleeping. These boys saw and heard nothing, so that it is certain that young Saltire did not pass out that way. His window was open, and there is a stout ivy plant leading to the ground. We could trace no footmarks below, but it is sure that this is the only possible exit. His absence was discovered at seven o'clock on Tuesday morning. His bed had been slept in. He had dressed himself fully before going off in his usual school suit of black-eaten jacket and dark grey trousers. There were no signs that anyone had entered the room, and it is quite certain that anything in the nature of cries or a struggle would have been heard, since Conter, the elder boy, in the inner room is a very light sleeper. When Lord Saltire's disappearance was discovered, I at once called a roll of the whole establishment, boys, masters and servants. It was then that we ascertained that Lord Saltire had not been alone in his flight. A high dagger, the German master, was missing. His room was on the second floor, at the farther end of the building, facing the same way as Lord Saltire's. His bed had also been slept in, but he had apparently gone away partly dressed since his shirt and socks were lying on the floor. He had undoubtedly let himself down by the ivy, for we could see the marks of his feet where he had landed on the lawn. 
His bicycle was kept in a small shed beside this lawn, and it also was gone. He'd been with me for two years and came with the best references. But he was a silent, morose man, not very popular either with masters or boys. No trace could be found of the fugitives. And now, on Thursday morning, we're as ignorant as we were on Tuesday. Inquiry was, of course, made at once at Holderness Hall. It's only a few miles away. And we imagined that in some sudden attack of homesickness he'd gone back to his father. But nothing had been heard of him. The Duke is greatly agitated. And as to me, you've seen yourselves the state of nervous prostration to which the suspense and the responsibility have reduced me. Mr. Holmes, if ever you put forward your full powers, I implore you to do so now, for never in your life could you have a case which is more worthy of them. Sherlock Holmes had listened with the utmost intentness to the statement of the unhappy schoolmaster. His drawn brows...